Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Today, I have someone joining us on the podcast from one of mine and my fiance Coden's all-time favorite TV shows. Melanie Schilling is one of the experts on Channel 9's Married at First Sight. Along with being one of Australia's highest profile therapists, she's also a highly recognized and respected thought leader in inspiring confidence, courage, and competence. As a qualified specialist in human behavioral performance and purpose, Mel's relentless ambition is to discover and celebrate the exceptional individual inside all of us. In this episode, we speak about Mel's journey of tapping into her courage and acting as if to create pathways to the opportunities that she wanted, which include pitching herself into maths when someone else was already in the role. And she discusses how we too can build this courage and really tap into what we want and the opportunities we want to create. We also speak about dealing with media backlash, with online trolls and developing resilience, plus how to build a brand and a consistent message when the work you do is so diverse. Mel is running a free online masterclass really soon now on the 9th of December about the three things you need to create an epic positive plot twist in the final months of 2020. If that's of interest to you, just click the link below this episode and save your spot. Now, let's bring on Melanie Schilling. Well, Mel, thanks so much for joining me today. Such a pleasure. Do you know that I am the most avid listener of this podcast? I'm actually fangirling all over you right now. (laughs) I was saying to Mel just before we hit record, I'm like, Mel, I'm going to be a bit starstruck. So just forgive me. (laughs) It's very mutual. Trust me. Oh, that's lovely. For those that are like, who is this Mel person? Please introduce yourself. Firstly, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is pretty awesome to me because this is one of the very few podcasts that I listen to regularly in a committed way. So I'm in a committed relationship with you, Emily. (laughs) So I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So Mel Schilling is my name. In terms of what I do, essentially, I work with high achieving women to help them build courage and confidence to really live extraordinary lives. That sort of sums up what I do. And I do that in a number of ways. I I have an an online program. I develop media projects. I'm I'm developing a a new TV series at the moment all around building confidence and the whole makeover experience. I do speaking. I do coaching. And of course, I work on a little show called Married at First Sight as one of the relationship experts. I wanted to start out finding out like, what is your background? Have you always been in this space? Where kind of has your business or your career and all of that evolved from, first of all? I'm a psychologist by profession. So I spent 20 years as a psychologist and that I've had a number of sort of mini careers within that, within the psychology profession, which is, you know, one of the 
amazing things about psychology as a career. You know, there's so many different avenues you can take. So my very early work was in, I guess you'd broadly call it welfare. I was in child protection and disability services and, yeah, really, really confronting frontline Mm -hmm. work. Incredible. I mean, I was in my early 20s and, you know, knocking on people's doors to take their children away with a couple of burly coppers behind me. You know, I was so not prepared and... You know, I I burnt out really quickly because I just Mm. went in too hard and just took it all on and I didn't have the life experience yet, Mm. you know, to really give me the the skill and the the wisdom, I guess, to to manage that kind of work. That was a tough start. One of the really strong lessons that I did learn in, in doing that type of work was that I really wanted to work with people who were motivated to work with me. In some of that early work, there was a court order in place that said this person has to see me. Yes. So they were forced, if you like. And, you know, as we all know about motivation, it doesn't work if it's an external force telling you what to do. Can you touch on that? Because I see that, like, in business too. And this is what I say. Like, I really think those that have success in business, it comes from this internal hunger for it. You're right. So we call it in psychology an intrinsic or an extrinsic motivation. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And and really, if you want sustainable performance and success, it's got to be intrinsic. It's got to come from within. Because if you just are saying, oh, I might go and try my own business because, you know, other yeah. people are doing it and it looks shiny and bright on Instagram, yep. you know, if, but it's not your burning desire, then it's not going to last. Oh, I love that you said that. Yeah. Is, do you think that's something with like the clients that you worked with that can be developed, you know, in the psychology field? Or was it something that it was like, you know what, like if it's not there, you've got to find something else. What did you find? I do believe it can be developed, but I have very much a growth mindset in, in all yeah. of the work that I do. And I, I yeah. really do genuinely at my core believe that everybody has capacity for change. Mm. And, you know, I do believe that. I do believe, you know, yeah. if particularly with COVID and so many of our careers being thrown into disarray and so yeah. many people are just going, wow, I'm, I'm back to basics here and I need to reinvent myself. And mm. I'm seeing so many incredible, inspiring stories of people starting new businesses or taking their bricks and mortar business online or, you know, I'm sure yeah. Emma, you're seeing so many of those yeah. as well. And, you know, I think those are examples of people not only being, resilient. I was going to say it's resilience as well. Absolutely. That bounce back ability, but also creativity and capacity Mm. under pressure to think broadly and expansively and go, Mm. what what could I do that is, you know, aligned with my passion, but can also make money right now. Totally. Okay. So from the front line, what happened after that with your career? Big shift. So I went from there into corporate Okay. So big change. You know, when I was a little girl, all I ever wanted when I grew up was to, apart from be sexy. Uh, yeah, really? <laughs> I'm not. So I'm not even joking. When I was in grade four, all <laughs> this is a slight yeah. diversion. All the kids had to stand up in class and say what they wanted to be oh. when they grew up. And so this is a bit of a hint at my age, guys. Okay, oh uh, this was in the seventies, mid seventies, and I said when I grow up. I want to be a big M girl. So that in the in the seventies, a big M girl. Yeah, please was, explain because yes, yeah. for all you millennials, was a was a model who okay. wore a bikini and and oh. ran in slow motion along the beach, drinking a big M, which is chocolate milk, oh, yeah, yeah, flavored yeah. milk. 
and she'd spill it down her boobs <laughs> and be just so sexy. And for me, as you know, an eight or ten year old, I thought wow. that was just the pinnacle. So I said, when I grow up, I want to be a big M girl, and my name is going to be sexy. But that was one thing I wanted. The other thing I wanted once I became a teenager was, and again, now so this was the eighties. Mm. <laughs> I wanted to have a big power suit with big yeah. shoulder pads and a massive mobile phone. Oh, I love it! <laughs> in those days, you know, they were the size of a brick, and that was that was my dream. <laughs> so when I did land in corporate. I got to wear suits and they were sexy. So, you know, I was ticking all the boxes. Tick both boxes. <laughs> nice, nice. But essentially that was about, I guess, applying that psychology into, you know, the career mm. space, the corporate mm. space. So very much around leadership development and team building. And I did a lot of work around developing assessment centres and development centres for, for oh, people. Wow. So using behavioural assessment to help people firstly get into the right roles and then to yeah. develop, you know, their, their competencies as well. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so kind of from that HR perspective, is that right? Yeah. That's right. HR, okay. OD is kind of where that stuff sat. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I How, loved that. You did? I was going to say, did you enjoy that? And did you enjoy the corporate environment? How did you go? Yeah, yeah. I still do. You know, I still love yeah. speaking to corporates and, and I, I get a lot out of that space. Yeah. And I find that so often when I'm in that realm and talking to people in business, what it always comes back to is communication and confidence and relationships and, you know, yeah. the stuff that I'm passionate about anyway. That's what yeah. we end up talking about. So how did you go from working in corporate to being on one of Australia's most watched TV shows? How did that happen? <laughs> well, probably the thing I didn't mention is in, in parallel with all of this career mm. stuff, I was always performing, always on stage, <gasps> sing, dance, you know, really? di- directing, choreographing. Yeah, wow. that's that's my bag, baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, you know, my, and ever since I was a little girl, I've always been performing and organising other people to perform. That's okay. very much something I'm very, very passionate about. And so now that, you know, I'm getting to not only perform but also yes. produce behind the scenes it's it's incredibly exciting oh. I mean if you want to have a big break moment I know a lot of people are interested in people, yeah. people's big breaks so there totally. was a, there was an actual moment pivotal moment I was at um, my cousin's wedding yeah and there was this woman who was the MC, and she was fabulous and yes. my mum said to me Mel you sh- you have to be friends with her <laughs> She's basically playing matchmaker as friends. Oh, and she, she dragged me across to meet this woman and she said, you know, I think you two have to be friends. And she was right, of course, as, you know, invariably mm. she is. And she introduced me and, you know, I, I met this woman. It turns out not only was she a fabulous chick, she was also a, a TV producer on a show okay. um, back then. So this is coming up to probably a decade ago yeah called the circle which was on channel 10 sort of loosely based on the view in the u.s or loose women in the uk so is that what it's called loose women loose women isn't that gorgeous (laughs) so it's essentially a panel panel discussion with women and all different topics that relate to women and and she was a segment producer on there and she said you know hey would you be interested in coming along and talking about relationships i think was the first sort of little entree in there and Oh my gosh, when I look back at some of those early on camera moments, I just cringe because I just, I'm, oh. you know, everyone has a learning curve. I know. Right? Oh, it's funny. I just, I talked so much. Like I hadn't learned about, you know, <laughs> speaking in sound bites yet. And it was all just blah, 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 all coming out and all excited and speaking over people. And oh, I just, you know, there wasn't a lot of stagecraft going on there. But how good is it that you can now look back and see how much you've grown? Like if you, if you look back to, like 10 years ago or whatever, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I was 
amazing, then it probably means you haven't grown at all. So it's good. That's what we want, isn't it? To be like, to be kind of embarrassed about where we started because we just got started and then we got better by doing it as well, which is the only way really. Absolutely. And I remember getting to the point, and this is probably maybe three years ago now, mm-hmm. where I noticed that stepping onto camera no longer gave me any of the butterflies. Okay. So at first I was disappointed because I thought, yeah. oh, am I not getting the hit that I need? But it, it wasn't that. It was yeah. arriving at a place of, I guess you'd call it that unconscious competence, you know, when yeah. you sort of look at the, the learning stages. Yep. I'd gotten to the point where being on camera had become that autopilot in terms of all of the skills wow. that you're employing, you know, when you're doing it, which meant that I could just be totally present in the content yeah. that I was, the, the stuff that I was saying. Oh, that's powerful. I can relate to the hit of being on camera because I love it. And it's just like, oh my God, it's like the best feeling. And for other people, it's like the worst nightmare. But uh, <laughs> but for some of us, it's just sweet. Like, I don't know, I just feel alive. And I think that's what you mean by the hit. But I, it's obviously like then the next stage of that is when it just becomes so natural that you're kind of not thinking about it. You're just, you're just doing it. I love that. That's really cool. And I did get some amazing feedback that year, I remember, from people very close to me. Yeah. And the fact that they started saying when they were watching me back on the show, they were saying, oh, it's just you. Yes. It's just so natural. That that's just you. That's just exactly how you are when yes. you're off camera. And that that gave me a real boost because I just yeah. thought that's I mean, that's authenticity, isn't it? That's what we're all working for. And it took a long time for me to find that level of comfort Mm. when being on set with 10 cameras in my face and all the Mm. lights and, you know, all that stuff going on. But I'm there and now it's, it's my happy place. What do you think for others, like what would you say helped you feel more comfortable? Were there any like practices that you had, any specific things that you worked on apart from just doing it and, and over time it developing? I think definitely experience is is a big part of it. You know, like like you said before, you know, you've just got to do it. (laughs) And because there is so much going on physiologically, you know, Mm. as we know with that whole sort of fight or fright or freeze kind of zone that you go into and like you explained, the butterflies and the excitement and all of that. So it's a very visceral experience, I find, Mm. this this level of performance and any elite performance in sports or, you know, business or anything really, it's... it involves every part of your mind, body, and soul. Mm. So I feel like there are definitely aspects of, you know, TV and camera performance that mm. are skill-based and you can learn yeah. and they are like, you know, muscle memory and you build them up. But there are aspects of it that just come down to, I think, finding your centre and trusting yourself. big part of it is trusting yourself, knowing mm. that whatever is thrown your way in that yeah you know, sort of spontaneous moment, <laughs> knowing and really believing that you can manage it and actually, yeah. you know, kick it out of the park. That's so cool. And I think like for my audience as well, because for them, rather than being on TV, it's for them doing an Instagram live or an Instagram story. And I love what you've shared because it's just so relevant across that as well in terms of like, if you go on a live and let's say your phone starts ringing or you forget what you're going to say, knowing it's going to be okay and you can deal with it as well. That's a good one. I think making those those little mistakes or those little embarrassments, yeah. I think are really important, you know, mm. things to happen and don't edit them out. You know, that that is oh, part of it. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our audiences love it too. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, it is so raw and real and it just makes people relate to you even more. Yeah. 
So, okay. So you did you do the circle then? What were you like a guest kind of presenter on that? Yeah, just a yeah. guest. Yeah. So it was, you know, ad hoc. It was literally, you know, yeah. I'd get a call the day before of, oh, this is happening in the news. Can you come on and talk about this tomorrow? Ooh. And so that was great. And that was a really good opportunity to cut my teeth and start, you know, building those skills in yeah. a in a great environment, you know, a really yeah. supportive environment and starting to build up, you know, what we call a show reel, which is sort of like, yes. you know, your portfolio, but of film. Yeah. Then I, I started to spread out a little bit and started getting some spots on, you know, morning shows. So on seven and on nine and, you know, on 10 on the project yeah. and that sort of stuff. And really did that for quite a few years. Mm. Um, Cause that's all about relationships, you know, building those yes. relationships. I didn't have you know, management or an agent or anything at that time. Um, okay, I, I was going to ask that actually. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, that's only a very recent development for me. Um, wow. Yeah, so I've managed my career myself, you know, for, okay. for a long time. Um, and so it was all about all about relationships and pitching myself, putting myself forward and just finding out who were the appropriate people to speak with. And by that point, I had a little bit of a body of work behind me. Yeah. So you know, I was able to present that. And the really cool thing now with, you know, as you say, a lot of a lot of our audience are doing Instagram lives and doing yeah. our videos. So whether you realise it or not, you're building mm. up your own showreel. So mm. when you do get to the point that you want to pitch yourself, you have a body of work, yes. even though you haven't stepped on a TV set yet. But people can see your manner, like they can see your on-camera manner, that type of thing. Yes, because you can't describe that in writing. How did this maths job happen? (laughs) It didn't at first. So Mm. if you go back into the archives and watch season one of the Australian maths, you won't see me. I was not there. So who was, was there someone instead of you? Yes. Or, okay. Yes, yeah, I'm trying a, to remember if I watched this or not. Yes, there was a there was another psychologist named Sabina Reed, who's okay. fabulous. She's a yeah. Melbourne psychologist as well, and she okay. was in the first season. And I watched it and a lot of my friends and family watched it as well. Everybody said to me, oh, you should be doing this show. You should be yeah. in there as well. And so I thought, okay. I've got to take this on board. And I, yeah. I agreed. I thought, wow, this is something I'm so passionate about. Yes. By this point, I had become accredited as a dating coach as well. So oh that gosh. sort of happened as well. Yeah, I was the first Australian okay. to become accredited as, as a dating coach. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's quite a thing now, but that back then sort of yeah. oh gosh, at least five years ago. And so I had this real passion for working. I was mm. working with a lot of single women around dating and helping them sort of get in or back into the dating world and still do a bit of that now. And, uh, yeah, so I had the interest anyway. And so through my contacts I'd built up through doing these little segments, mm. I found out, I asked one of my contacts at Channel 9 who, you know, who is casting, who's doing the casting, who can I yeah. speak to? I want to throw my hat in the ring. Yeah, nice. And so, you know, got connected and by this point had a nice little show reel to present, mm. so sent that through with, with a few ideas of how I thought we could do things differently. And uh, oh, nice. ended up going and having this clandestine meeting in a wine bar in Sydney. It was so <laughs> undercover with the producer. And uh, at that point she said to me, look, we have three experts but we're yeah. open to one more. So we'd be okay. really happy to continue having the conversation because there's room for one more. So I thought, great, because I thought yeah. I'm going to come in and bump someone out. That would just yeah. be totally wrong and would not sit with me you know ethically and so she said there's room for one more which was amazing so we kept the conversation going and I did screen tests on my own and with the other experts and everything and you know ended up landing the role and as it was um Sabina who had been in the role 
she left. So it okay. ended up being only three of us anyway. Yeah. And then stepped into season two and we're now filming season eight. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what I love was that you didn't, like, really want to be on it and then just hope it would come to you. You you went after it and you made yourself visible. You said, look, this who do I speak to? Who who's the right person to speak to? Okay, and then you got your you had your like showreel together and all this type of thing. And you gave them suggestions. I love that around, look, this is what I would bring and this is how, how I feel this could go. You put yourself in a position to be considered for the role. So I love that. Do you think that's something that other because I, I believe it is but do, is it something that you see other people struggle with and and why is that, do you think? This type of action taking has pretty much defined my whole career. Like I've, yeah. I've got loads of these examples of, I guess, expanding my comfort zone, putting myself mm. out there, you know, having some courage and backing myself and taking a bit of a leap of faith but really yeah. believing that it's, it's the right thing for me. So they're not mm. random, you know, very strategic yes. kind of moves but very much aligned with my core values and what I believe are my strengths. And so it's coming from a really um, calmly confident place. You know, this yes. is not panicky kind of. Ooh, and intentional, it sounds yes. like. It's just, yes. yeah. And if, once you get to that place where you're really at ease with, you know, who you are and what you've got mm. to offer and a really deep, genuine belief in what your skills and capabilities are, then having those conversations is much easier because it's, mm. it's you can almost detach yourself from the Aussie, I don't want to brag kind yeah. of feeling. And it's just <laughs> a conversation about the skills that I could bring and the, yeah. you know, the role that's here. And let's look at the collaboration mm. that could happen here. And it just becomes, you know, a very easy conversation, I think, mm. to have. And it sounds like it's it's not an emotional thing that you're really attached to. It's just like, the, these are kind of like the facts. Yes, that that's right. I think there is something in there about having a little bit of emotional distance from the outcome. Mm. Each of these examples, I, I kind of approach from a, well, Mr. TV Network or, you know, yeah. Mrs. Brand, if you don't make the choice to work with me, there's actually someone else who will. Mm. And that's not in an arrogant way, but just in a very yeah. realistic way. Like, And coming from that, you know, sort of abundance mindset, there are so many opportunities out there Mm. and this is just one of them. And, you know, maybe it may even turn out that the timing's not right, but maybe we leave that door open and we come back and have that conversation again down Mm. the track. And I've done that before with, you know, a brand ambassador position as well. You know, there was not a position available, but it was a brand that I felt very connected with and aligned with and, Mm. again, went in there and, and, and created the opportunity to pitch. And, I mean, this was a little bit cheeky. I, I, I presented a, we're in the boardroom, it was all a little bit formal, and I presented a, a, a pitch sort of presentation, yeah. PowerPoint. And the final, the final slide was an image of myself with their brand on t- across my chest saying brand ambassador. <laughs> and they didn't I even have a brand it. ambassador role, but... I was helping them see my Visualise it. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love that. That is so smart. I'm like having all these ideas myself actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this. It's so good. This stuff works. I mean, you know, some people talk about fake it till you make it. Well, I like fake it till you believe it a little bit or or become it. Fake it till you become it. You know, you believe, then you become. And that's essentially what a lot of this is about, Mm. you know, because you don't naturally feel comfortable in a new situation, you know. 
we know that about human beings. We don't embrace change all the time, you know, and if you are someone who's driven and ambitious and wants to create new opportunities for yourself, then you're going to necessarily have to put yourself in a bit of an uncomfortable position. Totally. So whatever you can do to make that more comfortable, do it. I remember um, when I got a phone call once about a few years ago about doing some video presenting for a brand and it was only because they had come across my website and I had had on there, like I called myself a presenter because I'd done a little bit of presenting in the past on radio, a little bit of um, TV and video. And I just thought, you know what, like I want to attract more presenting work. So I'm going to like put that on my website and then they found that, saw that, and were like, oh, hey, Emily, I see that you do like some presenting work. We'd love to get you in and have a chat. So I really kind of love how you're also saying like paint the picture for other people, help them to see it too. Mm. Absolutely. You and I are so similar in that way. <laughs> you know, I was carrying a business card with the word speaker on it for years before I ever stepped on a stage as a professional yes. speaker. You know, and, you know, for, for those listeners who believe in manifesting, I think this yes. is very much along the lines of, of manifesting. But also, I mean, I, I, I believe in manifesting to a point, but I'm also a realist and, you know, yeah. I, I do believe you have to take action. You yes. Know, yes, you. I'm all for, for having a, a vision board and visualising, you mm. know, your future self. I think that's really powerful stuff. Mm. But you've got to back it up. You've got to back it up with the action and the, the grit to make it happen. That's it. I think it's like about like where do we actually want to be like what would be amazing what would be the dream figuring that out and then just doing everything in our power to like create those opportunities like you have done was being on a big tv show like married at first sight was that like years ago kind of something you were like oh my gosh that would be amazing absolutely and to, to the point that when it happened I mean, I was excited, but I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. This this is where I'm oh, supposed to be. That. And, look, I'm not saying that I've always had a, a totally clear vision of my career no. and business. There's been loads of cloudy times, trust yeah. me. You know, okay. for years I had a very confused brand because I was working a bit mm. in the corporate space and a bit in the dating space, and those two yeah. worlds didn't meld at all. You know, I felt if I had all the dating and relationship stuff on my website and then a corporate landed on my website, they'd be confused and they'd be thinking, oh, that's not very professional for my business. And Mm. it took a long time, you know, for me to kind of figure out who I was from a personal and professional brand perspective. You know, I think that's really only fallen into place in the last few years. Can you share how you did it? Like how do you position yourself now? Because I know it's something that I've struggled with and I know lots of listeners because there's different things that we do in our business, you know. So how did you manage to package it all up so you felt it was really congruent? What I ultimately did, like just to sort of simplify it, is I moved away from focusing on who is my audience Mm. to focusing on what is my message because my message sits across several audiences. Mm. My message is about courage and confidence. Mm. So when I say that, oh, that's actually appealing to people who are in relationships or dating, to people in their careers, you know, to to people who are looking after their mental health and wellbeing. Mm. The audience becomes less important because the message is super, super clear. Moving into more of the limelight, 
you mentioned um, off off camera, I think you wrote in the email, like, you know, it hasn't always been like rosy days and you've had to handle or um, have things thrown at you that haven't been that pleasant. Can you touch on those? What's that looked like? Sure. Yeah, and, and you're right. This is the, the dark side or the other mm. side of being in the spotlight is that you're open to criticism. You know, it's it's a bizarre feeling having the general public believing that they have a right to comment on everything you do and say. You can't prepare for that. That's very unusual. And so I had a situation um, two years back, uh, I think it was season six of of maths, where there was a, a couple sitting in front of me on the couch and the man called the woman the C word. In fact, yeah. he, he used it a number of times. Yeah. Now, what you might not be aware of is as the experts sitting on the couch there, mm. we don't see footage of what happens from week mm. to week. So we're literally seeing what you as the audience see. Yeah. We don't have that sort of backstory. We only, you know, have those meetings. We watch them at the dinner parties and then we come face-to-face yeah. with them, you know, at the commitment ceremonies. And so, you know, whilst we get an overall briefing of what's happened, mm. we don't actually see anything. Okay. So what the audience had seen in this mm. week leading up to this point was that the woman had been very, very abusive toward the man. So as the audience watching, it looked like he was the victim in this situation. Mm. And then here's me, I come along and I call him out on his behaviour, on his yeah. language. And I actually went really hard, as I would in any situation if I yeah. saw someone, you know, using that language to somebody mm. else, particularly a man to a woman. Mm. So, you know, I put my very serious school teacher face on and yeah. went hard, you know, went yeah. really hard. You know, we all thought from a production perspective, we thought that was going to be a go sister kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it did not land that way at all because of the context, uh. the way that it was edited. It looked like I was biased, probably the um, most diplomatic way to mm-hmm. say it. But, oh, my gosh, the feedback, and it came in thick and fast, literally while the show was still on air. Yeah. So it, it started, you know, within probably, oh, gosh, half an hour, I'd say. It started mm. flowing in the hate. And so it, it turned into essentially a cyberbullying situation with hate mail. Stupidly, I still had my email address on my website. So yeah. everybody, I mean, you don't do that from an SEO perspective anyway these yeah. days, but, you know, I, I did have that stupidly. And so yeah. people were emailing me. I've still got hundreds of oh my death gosh. threat emails that I haven't even read. I've just saved what them. What the hell? Oh, oh. threats <gasps> of violent rape and death. And, oh, really? Oh, really oh graphic. my gosh. I was called a toxic feminist. I was told that I was inciting domestic violence in families. I had the whole men's movement out to get yeah. me. There was a petition created to have me sacked and 70,000 people signed it. Oh, my gosh, Mel. Oh, it was hideous. It was just the most <gasps> revolting time. I, I Actually, one of the tabloids gave me the title Australia's Most Hated Woman for a moment there. Everyone aspires to that, don't they? <laughs> How did it feel for you? How did you kind of manage with this? Oh, my gosh, it's quite blurry. Like it was Mm. definitely a high anxiety time, particularly that first week was intense. I was having panic attacks. Like it was out of control. Yeah. And I, I decided that I, I wanted to have my right of reply. Like I yeah. really felt that I needed to say my piece. And so mm. at the time there was a um, like a sister TV show called Talking Married. Um, yes, I remember he, that. Yeah. 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 So, so that was like a talk show about the show. Mm. And so I, I said I want to go on that show and yeah. 
live. It was a live show back then. It's not yeah. anymore. It was live then. And I want to, you know, say my piece. And it's incredible now whenever I look at that footage, yeah. I don't even look like me. Like yeah. I've got this really, um, it's almost like this stern, serious mm. face and it, it, my face is kind of frozen. And yeah. the really interesting thing is I've got this massive blue vein through my forehead wow. poking out and it was there all week. Yeah. Incredible. So your body is just like <laughs> yeah, you know, doing something. The only there. other time I've had that vein yeah. was when I was in labour. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's how stressed I was. Oh, you poor thing. It okay, was gross. Wow. It was gross. But I've got to tell you, Em, yeah. I've, I've learned so much from that experience. Yeah. You know, p- particularly about detaching myself. Yeah. Um. In fact, last season, um, February, you know earlier this year when the show was on, um, mm. I didn't even read my social mm. media comments. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, I do have a gorgeous husband who took it upon himself to go into all the maths fan groups with oh. pseudonyms oh. and <laughs> if anyone said anything mean, he'd bite back. <laughs> oh, you got to love those supportive partners. Absolutely. And I, I, so I didn't read anything. He just mm. told me if there was anything there I needed to know, which didn't yeah, nice. really. And, and look, the, the whole um, climate had shifted over that year and last year when when the show was on a lot of the media commentary on on my role had become either neutral or positive Mm. so all of that negativity had shifted away Mm. you know so it doesn't last forever this is what I feel it's like this really hot intense moment and then it just kind of dissipates is that what happened it does Mm. and look I think with these situations a lot of it a lot of what the media and social media are looking for is the way you deal with it yeah and you know I I'm I didn't deal with it perfectly at all Mm. I'm definitely not saying that I did make some some you know emotional moves in there Mm. but I think on the whole I stood my ground on the areas that were were important to me and I you know conceded on the areas that I was prepared to let go and bounced back what like advice for other people if they find themselves in situations where something's being taken out of context or they, they're they receiving some trolls online or that type of thing, what would you say? Like what would you kind of looking back say, you know, this this was a good thing to do? What would you say to others? The first thing I would say is take a beat before you respond. Mm. Don't respond in emotion. Oh, my gosh. I've noticed that with me. If I – because I'm like, no, I have to respond right now. And then I'm like, why didn't I just wait? I feel so much more calm about it now. Like, and I've got a good response, but it's too late because I already wrote back. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know this. We know this about <laughs> fight or flight, don't we? You know, our vision becomes yeah. absolutely tunnel. We're, we can't think clearly. We can't yeah. solve problems. The whole executive function of our brain just goes kaput. So it's it's not smart to respond yeah. straight away. So take a beat. And then I, I, I guess the, the next move would be to look at the feedback. Let's say it's a troll. Mm you know, or or even a, even a client who's giving you some tough feedback. Yeah. Try to look at it objectively. And if you're still mm-hmm. hot in the emotion, get someone to help you, whether it's a partner mm-hmm. or, you know, a business bestie or whoever, to, to yeah. look at it with you and to help you um, sort through the emotion and just look at the mm-hmm. feedback and just ask yourself. And you've got to put your humble hat on here mm-hmm. and just say, is there actually any truth in this is there anything I can take on board and you know 
as the gorgeous Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. Can I go high on, on this? And and that's often about taking accountability, you know. Yeah. Is there something in here I can take accountability for? Mm. Maybe it's an apology, maybe it's not, depending on the situation. Yeah. But, you know, is there something in here that I can own as my own? And put your big girl pants on, be the bigger mm. person and own that stuff. But also, is there something in here that, I'm prepared to stand behind, you know, something that Mm. is aligned with my values like there was in this situation. You know, I came out in the media and I said, if I saw that situation in front of me again, I would still call a person out, Yeah, you know, and I always will and I stood behind that. So, And that's important too because you're showing strength Mm. of character, you know, Mm. by, by doing that. But, you know, I think if you can definitely take that beat so that you don't respond defensively, because once you do that, you're just fueling the flame. So mm. it's so important not to come across as defensive because it just sucks your credibility away. Mm. Have you had any instances, like I, I find it hard to believe that it could get worse than that, but have you had any like similar or even slightly smaller instances since then? And have you found that you've responded differently? Have you found that, you know, the resilience has been built up a bit as well, that it doesn't affect you as much? Yeah, Em, I had one last week. Okay. <laughs> so okay. and you can you can see evidence of this. If you go into Daily Mail and oh, search really? my name, you'll see this one last week. So oh, it God. was it's a very simple thing that happened. So, you yeah. know, one of our gorgeous success couples, um, Jules and Cam, had their little baby. Yes. And yeah, which is so gorgeous. And I saw a little picture of little Ollie on Instagram and I wrote a little comment. And I just I think I just wrote, Oh my god, he's so gorgeous. Our first maths baby. Yeah. Um, and he's wearing his own fashion line. How cute. Yeah. And that's all I wrote. Well, the trolls jumped on board and started having a go at me. <laughs> Over. Uh, well, one of them brought up the very true and accurate mm-hmm. point that it's not the first maths baby. Okay. It's actually a baby from a couple from season one. And okay. as we've already covered off in this podcast, yeah. I wasn't in season one. <laughs> so I don't actually know that couple. Yeah. But I, I thought I could bite back with I wasn't in season one I didn't know that couple but I didn't yeah I actually just said something like fair point my mistake I owned it my mistake and I just moved on but it still made it to the daily mail they still turned that into a point to discuss Um, but you know what in that daily mail article they said something like to Mel's credit she owned the mistake or something like that yeah yeah. Um, whereas my first tendency you know, was to say, if you check your facts, you realise I wasn't in season one and I didn't know that couple, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the thing that we want to do. And then you you pause, you're like, no, hang on, I can just say this and it's fine. And did you find your body responded differently? Because the reason I ask is I used to get like any, I used to be like really terrible with negative feedback. It used to really throw me. And now I found like it just doesn't really affect me that much. I think the thing is that I find like when there is truth, that is the ones that kind of heard of it because you're like, okay, yeah, that that's kind of true. That's a really good point. But it's such a great learning experience too because it's like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have ever realized that. It's like, thank you for pointing that out. But for instance, like any little comments because now that I'm starting to find like I'm getting a slightly bigger audience and then there's just more people to have negative opinions. And um, like I got called a scam the other day and I just thought, oh, that's that's like funny. That's like, like, what the hell? Like, and it just didn't affect me at all. And I'm just, I think previously I would have been like, oh, 
that is terrible. Someone thinks I'm a scam and get really affected by it. Anyway, so I've just found that for myself, haven't dealt with the things you have in terms of the, the headlines and everything, but I found that my, my kind of like resilience, I guess, in terms of coping with them has it's got a lot stronger. <laughs> That's cool. And I think to, to break that down for people listening, a really simple way of looking at it is it's a two-step process. Mm. Step one is your normal, natural, visceral, emotional reaction. And we all have them. You yeah. can't switch those off. It's yeah. human. You have the reaction. Ah, oh, someone hates me. Oh, someone thinks I'm a scam. Feel all the feels. That is normal. Mm. But that's the point is here, you don't react when you're in that. You take that beat or that moment and mm. you go, look at it objectively and take your response then. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Do you want to talk about your course, actually? We could jump to that. So, so that's yeah. coming next year and I'm actually writing a book and um, an online course at the same time because, oh you know, gosh. I'm obviously not busy enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's your book? Tell me, it, like, tell well, me the book and the course. They're both called The C Word, so see previous comment <laughs> about my experience on camera. So it's so a bit smart. of a... Bit of a play on that, but it's really about well, it's about three C words really. It's mm-hmm. about courage, confidence, and competence. Mm-hmm. And it's basically how to build all three of those things, you know, drawing on your 20 years as a psychologist and 15 mm-hmm. years as a coach, but also, you know, a lot of this, you know, lived experience as as we've been talking about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that will be going live early next year, Amazing. around the same time that that maths is on air. But um, I've got lots of fun stuff coming up that we can certainly send your listeners to. I've got some yes. some live masterclasses coming up and I've got a mini course. This stuff's all about mm. look where we are right now. We're in the mm. last couple of months of 2020. It's been one really tricky year. And how yeah. can you create a really positive plot twist in the last two months of 2020? <sighs> So that's what it. I'm focused on now. Where can everyone go, Mel, to find you? What's the best place? I'd say Instagram, you know. I like it. You're talking my language. I know. <laughs> I mean, these days, what's even the point of having having a website these days? I mean, really, Instagram. So I'm just at Mel underscore shilling number one. Well, thank you so much for sharing this hour or so with me. I've loved chatting with you. I'm looking forward to doing this again sometime. We will. And as we said before we went um, live and mm-hmm. we are going to do some live events on stage together next year <laughs> let's put it out there let's, so we make oh, it happen I would love that and we're both in Melbourne for the listeners so um any other Melbourneites or anyone who wants to come travel um we'll have some fun things let's do that next year let's make it a commitment thanks so much for chatting with me Mel Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.